0: I am so excited to be back preaching at City Church this morning. We have several people out, you know, Chris and Maggie still on their honeymoon. We let them get away for a little bit, and then also several people that are sick this week, which is always, you know, a little sad when you're a small church because it means less people in the room. Uh, I'm also really excited because I haven't preached in, you know, two weeks, and so I'm back in the pulpit. Anthony did a wonderful job preaching the last two Sundays, And, and, and as a pastor, it's always really wonderful knowing that there's someone on your team that can get up in the pulpit, that they're going to preach a really solid word, and you don't have to worry at all about what they're going to say. You know, Anthony did, you know, do the little audible at the end and change what verses he was going to go after, but, you know, that's perfectly fine. We forgive him uh, for that. But if you are just joining us, we've been in a series through the Gospel of Mark. We've been there for several months. We will not finish for a very long time. Um, But ultimately, what we're going to be looking at this morning are three parables. Of Jesus. And these are some of the shortest parables that are in the gospel of Mark, and they're all centered around this idea of growth. In our lives, we're constantly changing. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but we're we're constantly changing. If I look at my life, I'm not the same person that I was. Even a year ago, we're constantly changing, we're growing, we're, we're shifting into something else. And some of that's intentional growth where we're seeking the Lord or we're trying to, to better ourselves, add skills. But also sometimes we are different because of the surroundings that we find ourselves in. As we grow, as we live our lives, there's always these things that are pushing us to be different people. And if we're not purposeful in following the Lord and seeking Him out and and growing according to the way of God, then we become something that we don't want to be. And so this morning we're going to be looking at what it means to grow. What are the, the habits that we can do as Christians in order to find ourselves further along in our spiritual lives? Two weeks ago, Anthony preached on the parable of the sower, and if you missed that, I definitely encourage you to go back. He, he spent some time, and the majority of his time, focused on the seeds that were wrapped up in the thorns, and, and those seeds are ones that are choked out by the various cares of life, and I think that's often where we find ourselves at. There are all these things that compete for our attention, and if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in this spiritual rut. So as we dive into today's text and sermon, I want us to to keep that in mind, that parable of the sower. We're going to be in Mark 4. We're going to start in, in verse 21. I'm going to read through verse 32. Jesus said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like, a man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. This is the word of the Lord. See, all of these parables center around this idea of growth, and they're ultimately trying to communicate Jesus' main message throughout the Gospel of Mark, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And so what Jesus is doing here, he's using some veiled language. He's teaching in parables because it's meant to to be the word to those that the Lord has enlightened it to be to, and he's preaching to reveal the kingdom of God to them. He's describing everything to his disciples in sequence but ultimately what he's doing here is showing us the truths of our spiritual lives. He's showing us this in three different ways. And, and each of these parables emphasize a little something different. So I want to take a little bit of time to break them down. So the first parable that Jesus, is, that Jesus talks about here is a lamp on a stand. And we're probably more familiar with Mark uh, with Matthew's description of this because Matthew uh, does a really good job of having this in Jesus' sermon on the mount. But Mark takes an abbreviated uh portion of this describing it to us. The things that I want us to to remember this morning or to take out of the text is that we can't hide our lamps. We can't hide our lamps. What goes in must come out. No matter what's coming into us, people are going to to see it. We can't just hide it away and put it under a bed or under a table or under some cloth to conceal what the light is ultimately revealing. What we put into our lives is ultimately going to be seen by others around us. See, what we do is we we each present a picture of the things we care most about. If someone spends 30 minutes with you or an hour with you, the things you care most deeply about are going to be the things that come up in that conversation most likely. As we put things into us, we're going to reflect those things to the world around us. But the ultimate question that we need to consider is what does our lamp reveal? Does our lamp reveal Jesus or does our lamp reveal something else? Are we illuminating Jesus, or are we illuminating the things of this world, the things that that we care most about? See, the the truth is that good seed produces good fruit. If If we have good seed, it's going to produce good fruit, but bad seed continues to produce bad fruit. It's been said that this is a quote from D.L. Moody. I couldn't verify that it's D.L. Moody or not. I couldn't find the original source. I'm just going to put it out there. It may or may not be D.L. Moody. But someone has said that out of 100 men, one will read the Bible. The other 99 will read the Christian. Out of 100 men, one person will read the Bible. And the other 99 will read the person that read the Bible. See, as Christians, we should be people that are taking the word, that are feasting in the word, that are seeking God and then illuminating that to a world around us. What goes in should come out to the people around us. The second parable that Jesus teaches on here is the parable of the growing seed. And this is the one that I, I really want us to get this morning, because I think this is the one that we can easily overlook. It's the one that, it's just like right in there, it's real quick, and you're just like, yeah, of course, you know, seeds grow. Like, obviously seeds grow, Jesus. Like, good sermon, that's a wonderful parable, but there's some deeper meaning that happens in this parable, We but we need to uncover it just a little bit. Everything we consume, everything we consume in this life, our day-to-day activities, what we read, what we watch, what we consume is a seed and it will grow. Everything around us is a seed and it will grow if it is cultivated. Now, the the truth is, is we don't provide the growth. And we can look at, at Paul's writing in 1st first, first and 2nd Corinthians where he's talking about this. He says, you know, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God that provided the growth. God is always providing the growth in our lives. But here's the other question that I want us to consider this morning. Is what we're consuming producing good fruit? Are the seeds that we're putting into our life producing good fruit? Are they the, do they have the DNA, the ability to produce something that is worthy of this Jesus? Or are we consuming things that are going to lead to a life that doesn't honor Jesus? These are just questions that we need to ask ourselves. My, my goal this morning is to help us put in a frame of mind where we can start building the blocks that we need in order to follow Jesus well. That's my goal this morning. I want to to help us to uncover some things, to ask some critical questions, to see where we're at as people, as followers of Jesus, so that we can begin to build those basic foundations needed in order to follow Christ. This is the the checkup. That's what we're doing this morning. We're just doing that quick checkup, you know, our yearly annual visit with our our physician. We're just going to do just a quick checkup, see how we're doing, and then maybe, you know, have a little bit of building blocks of how we can get better. The truth is that our lives will produce what we cultivate. What we put in will come out. I don't think we ever intend to produce bad fruit as Christians. We're never intentionally trying to produce bad fruit, but we can't keep planting the same seeds and expecting something different to grow. You know, in my life, there have often been these times where, where I desire to go deeper. Or I desire to grow in my walk with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I want to be closer to you. I want to, I want to have a deeper prayer life. I want to have a, a more consistent time in the word. And I'll pray these things. I'll want these things. But then I don't change anything in my life to, in order to get there. There's this yearning that I have, and I'll go through these these seasons of ups and downs, and I'll be like, Lord, I want more, 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 and then I don't do anything about it. I expect God to do do all the work when he's inviting me, hey, take the little step. Plant the seeds. I'll provide the growth. Just just plant the right seeds. Plant, Plant the proper seeds, because these things do grow in our lives. The third parable that Jesus teaches is the parable of the mustard seed. And this is one that I, I love because it helps to illuminate what I just said. Because in reality, oftentimes we think that we need to take these grand, big steps in order to follow God. We're people that like the, the big experiences. We like the, the grandiose things. We think you know, that we have to, to move all the way across the world or to risk our lives or to, to sell everything we own in order to, to follow Jesus. But oftentimes that's not where God happens us. He's just inviting us to take the small step. And that's the beauty of this parable. He's saying, hey, the mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, produces massive results. We don't have to, to do these grandiose things. Now, hold on. Let me, let me take a step to the side, though, because if God is calling you to do those things, if you feel the Lord calling you, then you better respond to what he's calling you. But more often than not, the Lord's calling us to take those small steps Eventually, he'll have us take those larger steps, but more often than not, he's calling us to take those small steps, to plant the small seeds, to bloom where we're already planted. Jesus is showing us that it only takes a small seed properly cultivated to see big results in our lives. It's not about this grandiose thing. It's the still, small voice of the Lord that leads to massive change in our lives. Small steps of obedience are what produce fruit. And so I want to shift just a moment. We've talked about the parables. We've kind of broken them down a little bit. Now I want to talk a little bit about what cultivation should look like in our lives. We're always being formed by the world around us. We already know that. We're, we're being formed. We're being changed. We're being shaped into something by the world around us. And if we're not actively seeking the Lord, if we're not actively looking to grow in our relationship with God, then we're going to find ourselves going a direction that we don't want to go. If we don't cultivate something different in our lives, then we'll be formed by everything else. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to embrace some disciplines. And I know oftentimes we we don't like the word discipline. We think that that's going to be difficult. It's going to hinder us. And I think even spiritual disciplines can have this, this thing in our minds where we think that they're going to stifle the Holy Spirit somehow or result in this stale spiritual life. But the opposite is more often than not true. When we neglect spiritual disciplines, when we neglect these basic things, we often find it harder to recognize the promptings of the Spirit, and more often than not, find ourselves in a spiritual rut. These disciplines are, are there to help us grow in the Lord. They're the scaffolding to help us build us up into faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Dallas Willard wrote that uh, Christian spiritual formation is focused entirely on Jesus. Its goal is an obedience or conformity to Christ that arises out of an inner transformation accomplished through purposeful interaction with the grace of God in Christ. See, as we focus on Jesus— that's what we're, we're trying to do today, right? That's the, the goal of this Christian life is to focus more and more on Jesus. As we focus on him and as we interact with God purposely through these spiritual disciplines, we become more like Jesus. It's really the simple thing. As we focus more on Jesus, as we spend more time with him, as we put these disciplines in our life, as we build these blocks, we become more and more like him. We see less and less of of that sinful nature inside of us and more and more of this Jesus being formed in us. So what are spiritual disciplines? What what are these things? And I'm going to steal from Richard Foster because he's kind of, you know, the guru when it comes to spiritual disciplines. He wrote a wonderful book called The Celebration of Discipline. If you haven't read that book, I definitely encourage you to do that. But in his book, Celebration of Discipline, he shares 12 different disciplines. And those disciplines are this. They're, They're meditation, prayer, fasting, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, service, confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. If you didn't get all of those, we do have all of the notes in the UVersion Bible app, so you can download the UVersion Bible app, go to uh, more events, and you'll be able to see that full list of twelve there. Because uh, I'm also about to define all of these, and these are going to be my definitions. So these aren't from Richard Foster, but I have all those definitions in the UVersion Bible app as well. If you want those, and I definitely encourage you to spend a little bit of time on those because that's going to be the homework at the end. I know, I know, no one likes- homework. I'm sorry, there won't be a test though. No test. Just a, just a little bit of homework. And it's up to you if you do it or not. So, you know, I'm not even checking grades or anything. So let's go through these uh, 12 different things and define them for just a moment. So the first spiritual dis- discipline that's defined here is meditation. And this, this act of meditation is ultimately dwelling on who God is. It's a simple act of making time to dwell on who God is. Recognizing that that he is God and that I am not. And this is a key one in my life. I often find if I'm going through struggles, if I'm having difficulty, I know that I need to take some time to meditate on who God is. A key verse for me has been Psalm 46.10, which says, Be still and know that I am God. It's one of those things in my life that I know if things are going wrong, that if I'm having difficulty, if I'm struggling to have consistent prayer time and consistent time in the Word, that I know I need to just take a step back and just meditate on who God is. That He is God and that I am not. The second spiritual discipline is prayer. And prayer is ultimately a conversation with God that seeks Him first and our needs and wants second. Oftentimes we can approach prayer with this act of gimme, 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 gimme. You know, it's just about us, it's about my desires, it's about my wants. But prayer, first and foremost, should always be about God. It should be about seeking that relationship with our Father as His dearly loved children. The third spiritual discipline is fasting. And fasting is ultimately denying ourselves in pursuit of God. This may be physical things like food or or drink or or things that we know are are good things. They're common grace gifts from God, but we're going to abstain from them for a time in order to seek God more and more. The next spiritual discipline is study. Study is seeking to discover the heart of God so that we might know him and live according to his ways. This is one that for some of us, these spiritual disciplines, depending on who we are, depending on our personalities, depending on our our natural bents and inclinations, some of them are going to be easier for us and some of them are going to be harder for us. So when it comes to study, that's an easy one for me. Like I am a nerd, like I love reading, I love growing, I love learning more and more and more. So studying, I'm like, yeah, give me a book by an old dead guy, give me a Bible, give me some pen and paper, and like I'm happy in my happy place. But I know other people, that's going to be a struggle for them. You know, it's going to be struggle, it's going to be labor, and that's something that I want us to, to encourage us. As you're reading through these lists, there are going to be some that, that stand out to you, that are going to be easy to do, and there are going to be others that are going to require a bit of growth. There are going to be those seeds that are a little bit diff- more difficult to cultivate, but I don't want us to discount any one of these just because they don't come naturally to us. So studying is that seeking to discover the heart of God. It's reading his word. It's reading church fathers. It's reading theology. It's spending time with brothers and sisters in Christ, learning and growing together, knowing who this God is so that we might live lives that are pleasing to him. The next spiritual discipline is simplicity. And this is one that flies in the face of our American culture. It's avoiding excess so that our priorities are fixed upon God. There's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with with things. But there is something wrong when we are just seeking those things for status and for symbol. And they get in the way of living a life that's dedicated to God. When we put things first or stuff first and we're constantly putting God on the back burner, then we need to reevaluate our life. Simplicity is a spiritual discipline because it requires cultivation. And again, this is one that for some of us, it's easy. Some of us, it's going to be difficult. But these are things that we need to grow in. The next spiritual discipline is solitude. And I define solitude like this. It's holy boredom that invites God to move holy boredom that invites God to move. It's spending some time alone. It's spending some time without things going on around us, without noise, without social media, without music. It's just spending some time alone and making space for God to move in our life. It creates just that little bit of a window for God to to break into our lives, a little bit of holy boredom. I know we don't like to be bored and in our lives we have like so many distractions that we can grab our phone and like we instantly have all the knowledge in the known universe at our fingertips on our phone. But a little bit of holy boredom helps us to grow in God. The next spiritual discipline is submission. Submission is laying down our desires in pursuit of the desires of others so that we might have unity in Christ. Submission means looking to my brothers and sisters instead of always looking to myself. It's laying down my thoughts and my desires and my wants in pursuit of the desires and wants of other people as well. If we're always getting our way, then we need to take a step back. If it's always about us, we need to take a step back and grow in this idea of submission, not only to other people, but unto God as well. The next spiritual discipline is service, which is seeking to love our neighbors as ourselves through the giving of our time, resources, and giftings. It's giving the things that that we have, the things that we can do in order to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's serving others with a cheerful heart as we're serving God. Confession is our next spiritual discipline, and this is one we don't like, do, but as one of our core values at City Church is authenticity, confession is this act of honestly and authentically dealing with our sin in the midst of community. I I want to let us in in a little bit of secret. You weren't meant to do life by yourself. The Christian life isn't just about you and Jesus. It's about you and Jesus lived out among a community of brothers and sisters, It's about the body of Christ. And as we we come together, as we share our struggles and our difficulties, then we find ourselves growing in Christ more and more. Worship is our next spiritual discipline. It's rejoicing in the goodness, glory, and grace of God. This is something that we cultivate both on our own, in our private time, in our houses, while we're driving down the road and not trying to yell at the person that just cut us off. But it's also something that we do corporately in the body of Christ. The next spiritual discipline is one that may be a little bit different or difficult for us to understand. It's guidance, which is seeking to be led as a disciple within the body of Christ. Again, we're not meant to do life alone. We're called to be disciples of Christ. We're called to be in community. We're called to be within a church body so that we can live out this life among brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't have to do it ourselves. We don't have to get everything right on our own. We get to live this out in community and be guided by saints that have lived more life than us or have grown more than us or have gone through the stuff that we've already gone through and know how to help us on in those things. And finally, the last spiritual discipline is one called Celebration. And this is one that I love because all throughout the Old Testament, we see this act of celebration as a spiritual discipline. And we see the people of Israel time and time and time again creating these memorials to the Lord. Whether they're stacking stones or making monuments or creating an altar to the Lord, they're constantly doing these things to memorialize what God has done and what he's currently doing. So it's about what God has done in our lives already and what God is doing in the present. Now again, these spiritual disciplines, we're going to each find ourselves flocking to certain ones and finding other ones really difficult. Some of us may love the study, but find the simplicity hard. Others may be like, got it, I'm a minimalist. Simplicity is easy, but I struggle with this idea of solitude." We're all going to find different ones that are going to be easy and different ones that are going to be hard. Ultimately, these disciplines are simply seeds to spiritual growth. They should be seen as the seeds of spiritual growth. As we regularly apply them to our lives, as we regularly cultivate them, growth will happen. All we have to do is put the seeds out there and then God provides the growth. And the beauty of God is that in his grace, he meets us where we're at and invites us to follow him despite our past or current performance. That's the beauty of all this is if, if we're reading through this list and we're like, man, I struggle with that one. I struggle with that one. Well, yep, struggle with that one too. Oh, nope, no good at that one. That one sucks in my life too. The beauty of God is that he sees where we're at. And he has grace upon grace where he invites us like, hey, that's fine. Just take a little step. Take a small step. All you got's a mustard seed? That's fine. Just plant that mustard seed because I will provide a massive growth. It just takes a little bit of cultivation. It's seeing this God who has done so much for us, who has given his life so that we might live and just simply responding to him just a little. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes a small step. A small seed that's planted. And if we fail, that's fine. Jesus meets us there. If we do good for a while and then we fail, Jesus still meets us there. If we failed 792 times, that's fine. Jesus still meets us there. He says, it's fine. I love you. Come to me. I'm going to help you grow. Just plant a little seed. Just plant a little seed. Just turn to me. God doesn't want us to remain as newborn children. He doesn't want us to to remain as newborn children. He wants us to grow into maturity. He wants us to be these mature followers of Jesus Christ. And what he's given us are, are different means to be able to pursue him. He's given us these spiritual disciplines. And I think we all want to grow in our relationship with God. We all want to, to grow in being a follower of Christ, but we just have to simply cultivate these things. See, a desire without a plan doesn't go anywhere. It leads to, to this frustration and this difficulty within us, We're like, I desire to do this, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. If we don't put a plan in place, we're going to remain in the same spot. And we're going to look back and like, man, why am I still struggling with the same thing? It's because we haven't made a step. And the beauty is it doesn't have to be this grandiose step. It's just a small step of placing these spiritual disciplines in our life. And so my challenge to you this week is to, to take that step toward God. To look through this list, to read through this list, save it on your phone, read through these things, and figure out how to start implementing them in your life. Maybe you're just implementing one of them this week. Maybe you're just spending a little bit of time in prayer, or a little bit of time in solitude, or a little bit of time meditating on who God is. I'm not going to tell you what that needs to look like in your life. The beauty is we can go to God and say, God, here's this list of things. I know that I am terrible at like 15 of the 16, like as I look through them. But I know that you have created these things to help me cultivate a life in relationship with you. Show me the ways that I can implement them this week. I want to remember that small seeds lead to massive growth. Just that small mustard seed leads to massive growth. Let's pray. We are so thankful that that you provide a way to you. That it isn't a a difficult thing that we don't have to strive and strive and strive. that, That you are there and you desire relationship with us. You don't require a mediator. You don't require us to to jump through a million different hoops. You just desire us to come to you exactly where we're at. God, I pray this week that you would help us to respond to you. I pray for each of us here and each of us listening to this message, either online or later on, that you would just encounter us that you would show us how to respond to what you've already done and what you're currently doing in our lives. God, I pray that you would help us to, to throw out some seeds this week, to throw out just a mustard seed that's going to begin to grow. Lord, I pray that you would encounter us where we are and lead us closer and closer to you. Amen.